prepare your ears, humans. Happy, sad, confused begins now. Today on Happy, Sad, Confused, Emily Van Camp, from Everwood to the Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Hey guys, I'm Josh Horowitz. Welcome to another edition of Happy, Sad, Confused. Yes, a first-time guest on the pod this week, Emily Van Camp. You know her, you love her from so many television hits, from Revenge, from Everwood, from The Resident, currently on Fox, and soon to be seen in the highly anticipated new entry from Marvel uh, on Disney+, Plus, The Falcon and the Winter Soldier. You guys can look forward to six episodes of Anthony Mackie and Sebastian Stan, and yes... Uh, Emily Van Camp returning to the Captain America universe. I think she's been in two of the Captain America films by my count. And um, I was really pleased to get to know Emily. As I said, she's a first-time guest in the pod. I've really never had a chance to have a conversation with her like this. And um, I know she's a favorite of so many, you know, television watchers, people that, that like, enjoy kind of the classic, you know, hour-long network dramas. Um, it's it's a lifestyle that, that many actors don't participate in now. Like she, she's done so many hours of television. When I started to like crunch the numbers, hundreds of hours of network TV, which is just so not the the typical model nowadays. Um, to the point where you know a six episode run on a on a streaming show. I mean that seems like a vacation. Except of course that Falcon and the Winter Soldier is no vacation because the scale of this one is ginormous. I have seen the first episode, I'm allowed to say that, and suffice it to say, Marvel has not cut any corners. It still feels big and massive and global, and it has all the big movie stars just in this smaller uh, television box. Um, but yeah, the action is big in this one, and I'm really excited to see where this story goes. This first episode really tees up a lot of big questions and conflicts, some surprise guest stars, and uh, excited for Emily too because you know, frankly, she hasn't had a ton to chew on in the MCU yet, and I think she, she you know, she knows that. She's kind of, I think she, I forget how she put it, but she kind of feels like Sharon got a little bit of a raw deal along the way. So I think that this is a nice opportunity to get to let to see Emily show what she can do with this character in this series. So very psyched to see what's to come in the Falcon and the Winter Soldier. You don't need me selling it. Obviously, if you listen to this podcast, you love. Marvel films, so I know you're going to dig that show. So check it out when it comes to Disney+. Plus. I think the first episode actually drops this Friday. Um, other things to mention, Stir Crazy, new episode this week on Comedy Central's YouTube and Facebook page. We've got some big-time movie star and big-time mom energy, thanks to Jennifer Garner. I mean that in a nice way, because it was so refreshing and sweet to have this, like, beam of light on the show. I can be cynical and, and dark sometimes with my humor, but there's no darkness, seemingly, in Jennifer Garner, um, which isn't to say she couldn't have a, a great time. She was a great guest, game for anything. Thing. And we managed to um, surprise her with a, a guest or two, which I won't reveal right now. But check out the episode with Jennifer Garner. Very pleased with that, how that one turned out. And very pleased we were able to surprise her in a big, massive way. You'll see her just react in, like, just an authentic way, which I really, you know, it's nice to see that in the talk show uh, kind of format. To see, like, authentic emotion <laughs> and reactions. Um, so, yeah. Jennifer Garner on Sir Crazy this week. Um, other things to mention. Oh, I guess we have to mention. We, we need to mention this. This is the big, 
you know, event that's been coming for years. And, you know, many of us didn't think it would happen, but, I, you know, I have to say it exists. I've seen it. Zack Snyder's Justice League. We obviously had Joe Manganiello on the podcast just last week. I know a lot of you guys enjoyed that conversation with Joe. Um, and as I said on that one, I have seen it. I've seen all four hours of it, and it is... It lives up to its title, guys. If you like Zack Snyder, you're going to love this movie. And I know he's not for everybody, and I know he's not the most subtle of filmmakers, but you cannot fault what he is able to compose on, um, on the screen. He is, you know, he's like Michael Bay. He's one of those divisive filmmakers that, like, just knows how to compose images and powerful um, uh, sequences uh, almost, you know, they're, they're in an echelon by themselves. So, you know, I have my quibbles with, with, with Zack Snyder and some of his films, but I will say if you, if you do dig his work, his style, if you dig what he's done in Man of Steel and especially Batman versus Superman, um, you're going to love Justice League. And it is, it's four hours, guys. It's like, it's just like, it's, it just keeps going and going. And there's just, it's not like, long dialogue scenes. It's a lot of action. A lot of action. And um, it's just, it's also a fascinating film to look at, you know, as a, as a movie buff, as somebody that follows, you know, the industry and, and the machinations behind the scenes, the story of this film coming into existence and, and the fact that, you know, he had to step away because of this horrible family tragedy and because of, you know, the conflict he was having with the studio and the fact that he's been able to release his version after a whole entirely other version. The only other thing I can think, you know, the only other comparison I can think of is the Exorcist prequel they did like 10, 15 years ago um, when there were a couple different versions of that. It was basically reshot um, by, was it Rennie Harlan? Did he do the, the second version? I don't even remember. But that's another like kind of fascinating experiment. If you want to look at another kind of film that was shot twice, go back to the Exorcist the beginning. Um, yeah, it was, I think it was Paul Schrader did it first, and then Rennie Harlan did it again. So this is on just another massive scale. I mean, Exorcist is big. Justice League is a whole nother, a whole nother level. I was going to say league. Um, but anyway, um, you guys are going to be talking about that. We'll be talking about that on the podcast. But I do want to mention I got a chance to talk to Zack Snyder. Had a pretty in-depth conversation. We didn't do the podcast. I think I'm going to do him through the podcast for Army of the Dead, um, which is coming out in just a couple months. So... You can look forward to that down the line, I think. But for now, we had a, you know, a significant amount of time um, by TV video standards to talk for MTV. So I've got that interview dropping. I believe it's going to drop this Friday, the day the movie comes out on HBO Max. Um, not really a spoiler conversation, but I think I asked... I asked the questions I wanted to ask about, like the rumors about the film and some of his other DC films, um, where it could go... Um, I think I hopefully asked a lot of the questions that you guys probably would want to hear him answer too, and um, really proud of that conversation. And I know if you dig his work and, as I said, his his kind of trilogy now, the Snyderverse, that's something you're going to want to check out. Um, my interview with Zack Snyder on MTV, and that'll be available on MTV News's YouTube page. But of course, I will send it out as well. Um, of course, you can always follow all of my adventures chatting with filmmakers and actors on my Instagram page, Joshua Horowitz, on my Twitter page, Joshua Horowitz. Um, yeah, you can't, you can't, you can't ignore me. By the way, that was not my stomach making a noise. That was my dog who was whining. She's been, she's been a little bit, Lucy's been a little bit um, naughty this morning. I had to rescue my wife from her in the other room just now. 
she wasn't attacking her, but she was, I'll say it, she was, uh, she was humping a pillow. The dog, Lucy, was. <sighs> yeah, it's, a, it's an odd, strange life being a dog parent all of a sudden. Anyway, let's get to Emily Van Camp, also a dog mom. I mean, I'm not the dog mom. My wife's the dog mom. Let's just go to the interview. Lucy's whining. She wants to hear Emily Van Camp, as do you guys. Uh, remember to review, rate, and subscribe to Happy Second Fused. Here's my chat. Okay, Lucy, here it comes. Here's Emily Van Camp. I was told when uh, by your publicist just now to, that it might say secret guest when you came in, so I was a little bit disappointed when it just said Emily Van Camp, frankly. No, I sorted it out. I'm so happy. Mine, if it's any consolation, my ID for a while said PT Loner because this is from like Viacom and I couldn't figure out how to change my name either. So we're all in this together. Oh my gosh. I'm so bad at this stuff. For a while, it just said Josh Bowman because I was using my husband's computer. And then I realized it was saying that someone mentioned it. So it's been a process, this Zoom thing. It's taken me about a year, the whole entirety of this pandemic. But I think I figured it out. We did it. We did it. Just as we're starting to come out of our cocoons, we figured it out, right? Now we can go places and I know how to Zoom. So I know, Great. I know. Well, it's a pleasure to meet you even in this weird format, Emily. Yeah, nice to meet you too. Thanks for the time. Thanks um, for having me. I apologize. I feel like even by my goblin standards, I'm like, I'm like covered in like dog hair right now. The, the people can't see it, but I'm, I'm oh, I know. Yeah. We'll see. I've got my little dog chewing oh. on a bone here and I was worried about sound and all that stuff. And I was like, you know what? We're all home. Standards the dogs have changed. Are doing their thing. <laughs> exactly. I've got a new one, by the way. Ooh, puppy? Yes. She well, she's two years old. She's a pit mix, and but she's got puppy energy. So it's been a, oh. it's been a, a fun little adventure so far. She's amazing. Have you that. watched Canine Intervention? Is that on Netflix right now? It is. <laughs> I haven't watched it, but I've noticed it in my queue. I think they're sensing I need to watch this. Should I be watching? Well, yeah. I mean, I'm just a little bit obsessed with dog training because I never train my dog. She's just quite good and we rescued her when she was about two and a half and she's little so she doesn't really do much damage and so I'm sort of fascinated by you know having to train your dog and you know my sister just got this massive German Shepherd mix and you know you have to train big dogs there's no way around it and I'm just fascinated by it and so now I'm trying to train my dog but it's you know too, now she's around five it's and a too half late, right yeah and she's just like are you joking like no I, didn't sign up <laughs> I am this. set in my ways Emily I'm sorry does, I'm doing what I want she does not remember her humble beginnings at all <laughs> does um wait, you, one of your sisters is a vet right do I have that yes. right She's so, the one who just adopted the, the the big old German Shepherd, who's adorable, but it's a lot of work. So, you know, yeah. I'm, it's kind of nice that yours is too, because at least a little bit of that initial puppy energy is out of the way. Yeah, yeah. My, my, my wife's uh, brother is a vet, and I find it, we, we, it's a nice and valuable resource to have. Like in these first couple of weeks, we're like, uh, is this right? What do we do? Help. It's amazing and probably really annoying for them. Oh, <laughs> Sorry. Signed up for like, this. She's itching her ear in a weird way. And Molly's like, Emily, I've got actual <laughs> patients. To right. Real problems. Real problems. So just please. So where am I catching you today? Are you in the middle of shooting The Residence? Like where, where yes. are you? Um, I'm in Atlanta shooting The Resident. Almost done. A few more episodes left. Nice. Um, so, yes. so, um, how are you? And I mean, you are, and we'll we'll get to this as we kind of like get the expensive Emily Van Camp oeuvre oh. <laughs> for this podcast. But like, you are a veteran of like the hour long, like quote unquote traditional. I mean, even if some are less right. traditional, but like the old school kind of way of making network 
um, programming? Like how many episode order is the season of The Resident? How many are you guys So this year we did 14 just because of, you know, everything that's going on, Um, which I know, sorry, yeah, 14 this year, um, normally 22, 23. but I mean, the fact that we've accomplished 14 in this climate has been pretty extraordinary, I think. Um, yeah, so lots of television. I, I tried counting how many episodes I've done and I just stopped. So <laughs> well, It's crazy because, yeah, I mean, like I didn't realize also, and you probably have from both your life and from people reminding you, like often there's like one or two like runs, but you like have almost virtually gone from like run to run to run with some small, relatively small gaps in between. And as I was alluding to before, like, I remember talking to like Jillian Anderson about like back in the day about the X-Files. And it's like, it's almost inconceivable to most like actors now to like do like 200 hour long episodes, but you have, you've racked up the hours. I mean, are you, do you have like that muscle to do that? Because that's, that's a lot. It's different than the 10 episode Netflix run for an for It an is. It is, which at this point sounds so appealing. It's such a, you know, <laughs> that's a vacation. Such an yeah. Amazing kind of, <laughs> you know, mysterious world to me to shoot 10 episodes. Sounds incredible. Um, no. Yeah. I mean, when I started, we were still shooting on film. So <laughs> that makes <laughs> back in my day. Were they talking back then? Did they, was it, was it uh Oh yeah, we, oh yes. And you know, you could see us, you know, but it was, it was <laughs> I feel it, it, it's crazy when you think about it. I was actually talking to um, my colleague, Matt, Matt Zucri, who's also done a tremendous amount of television. And, you know, we, we both did this thing. We were competing to see who did more episodes. And then we both just stopped counting because it was stupid at that point. And, um, and, you know, just kind of reminiscing about when we first started out and then we just started to feel extremely old, so we changed the subject. But yeah, it's been um, it's been a minute. And you know, um, when I when I started in television, it was interesting because there was still that um, that sort of divide between film and television, right. um, and it was quite you know frowned upon to be on network television if you were in film, and right. you know, um, and so I kind of came up with that with that mentality, but as my career continued, I was able to sort of venture into all of the different worlds and that sort of started to shift and change. And now it's completely shifted and changed and turned upside down in many ways. Um, yeah, TV's so where it's at. People, the, the film actors are trying to get the yeah. episode or sometimes the network show too. I mean, it's 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 totally, well, yeah, I grew I up, mean, it was totally different. Especially, you know, now going through a pandemic, you realize how, much people crave content and how yep. valuable streaming is and being able to watch from home and you know as much as we miss going to the movies and all of those i mean we're all missing that very much at the moment um i'm sure um and there's something still so magical about that and i don't think that should go away at all but i like that both worlds are colliding in such a in such a right. great way and um there's not so much of a divide and you know it's really fun to jump back and forth from both worlds because they are quite different um you know the the time that you commit to them are very different um and as you were saying you know it's it's a marathon doing network television yeah. you know you have to develop a, an insane amount of stamina um, especially if you're not shooting at home because it's, it's just many, many months away. Um, but there's also something to be said for taking these characters on a very, uh, beautiful long journey. And, and they, they all sort of hold a very special place in my heart, interestingly enough. And, um, and also in, in the viewers' hearts, I mean, I still have people say, yeah. come and talk to me about Amy Abbott from Everwood, you yes. know, and, and they grew up with it or, you know, just 
just telling those stories over a long period of time is very special as well. So I've, I've been very lucky to be able to dabble in, in all of those worlds, you know? Yeah, the, the, it's true. There's nothing like the connection between a, a, a relatively long running television show and the viewers, except maybe for Marvel projects. So that's right. a good segue. <laughs> you into... keep on giving. <laughs> exactly. And this is, I mean, this is kind of a fascinating arc for you because I mean, by my math, looking back, I think you were cast back in 2013 for almost a decade ago I think isn't that crazy so so tell me where you were at then were you you were talking about sort of like in how in recent years obviously there's less kind of like the snooty like you know big boys table and then the kids table for tv and film but were you did you have anxiety about getting opportunities in film back then what it must have been a huge moment to even get in the mix for oh it was and I wasn't in the mix initially which was interesting um I came in the mix very, very late in the game. They had been auditioning people and meeting with people for several months, I think. Um, and, and nobody knew who it was for. I sort of, when I did get the call to go meet the Russo brothers, it was, you know, assumed that it might be Sharon Carter, but no one really knew. Right. Um, everything is obviously very hush-hush with Marvel. Um, but I was shooting Revenge at the time. Um, so I was deeply focused. I mean, it was the first TV show I'd, I'd ever led and I was still very young. And so, you know, just super focused on that. And um, uh, uh, the, the call came to meet the Russo brothers and I'd always loved the Marvel films. I'd never been super into comic books. Um, right. So I didn't know much about the world, but obviously it's a world you want to be a part of. And um, and I, I was a little shocked that they called, to be honest, um, but, and sort of thought, well, you know, somebody wanted them to meet with me and here we go. It's, they're doing me a favor. They're doing that person a favor or something. I just didn't think that there was any possibility. So I remember um, meeting with the Russos and then I went away for the Christmas holidays and came back and they were going to start doing screen tests and they were screen testing a couple of other actresses and then me. So that was shocking as well. Um, but this still, is a big for, favor to somebody. Somebody must really owe somebody something because it couldn't I, possibly I, be my talent. No, of course not. No. <laughs> I mean, I never think that, but I mean, it was one of those things where I just thought of, you know, just go and try to do the best job I possibly can. But, you know, I was also working, you know, 16 hour days, you know, trying to do this other show. So I think that helped me. It lent itself well for that moment because I was distracted enough that I couldn't obsess and freak out about it. And the screen test went really well with Chris and um, still left thinking, well, it went, it went really well. They were so nice. Everyone was so nice to meet, but I mean, it was a fun experience, you know, and two weeks later they called and said, Oh, you're, you're going to be Sharon Carter. And I, I just, the whole experience was very um, mind boggling to me because it still was a little bit strange to cross over into that world. Sure. Um, did they, did they at not, the, not so much, but for me, because I'd grown up with that mentality. So I just, I never really believed that anyone, I don't know, it's that small town girl in me that never yeah. really believes that anyone really wants me to be a part of it. <laughs> the imposter syndrome that never quite yes. goes away. Yes. Yeah, like, no, like, until you, I'm like, I still feel like I'm faking it half the time. You know. I mean, I, I, I don't know. Invariably, the people I talk to, the people that, that lose that are the ones to worry about, not the one. The, you need a little bit of imposter syndrome you, to like, yes. feel, feel like yeah. you have to earn your your right to be at the party not to a detriment of like your mental health but yeah. a little bit of that is healthy i think which which a lot of us i think do allow <laughs> to to sort of exist at the detriment of our mental health but no it's you know it, that will never go away um but that was a particular moment that stands out as 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 sort of 
um, disbelief and, and really having to come to terms with the fact that maybe they wanted me to be a part of the party, you know? And, uh, and it was really special. And, and here we are, I'm still, you know, exploring this character after all these years, because, you know, that's what Marvel but, does. And I think it's fascinating. Did, um, back then, I mean, th that, that first, for Winter Soldier and Civil War, I mean, the Russos, like all the Marvel films, like stack those casts. I mean, you've got Redford, you've got Sam Jackson, like, did you remember, again, you, you were, you know, you were a veteran, you'd done a lot of work, but did it feel like both the scale the caliber of actor you were opposite? Was it an intimidating experience? And did you have to kind of get over some nerves? Oh, it was so intimidating. There were so many moments when I was shooting both Winter Soldier and Civil War where, you know, I would be in my trailer and I would just be, you know, I, I have anxiety anyway, just as a human. But in that <laughs> circumstance, I, I again, just felt very, um, uh, it was very out of body. I, I was very worried that I would disappoint because I still sort of felt like, I don't know, that I didn't belong or something like that. You know, and you're with these people who've been working, you, you've admired since you were a child. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, sitting with, actually one of the most comfortable moments um, was sitting with Robert Redford. I had a tiny scene where I just passed him in the hallway. Um, and yet his chair was sat next to mine, which you would just assume they would never do that, you know? And I just felt so um, nervous and 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 freaked out that I that I had been sat next to him and and we just started talking and he was one of the loveliest sweetest men that I had ever worked with and and we were talking about everything and anything from family to career to and I just it was like one of my re most relaxed moments on wow. on those sets which I just thought was fascinating because you know it's. Robert Redford no, sitting, it's like, right? It's like you're sitting next to like here, you're gonna sit next to Abraham Lincoln for a couple hours. <laughs> it's like, what? And have a great conversation with him. And, yeah. you know, for him to be just so um, kind with with his stories and his, we were talking about, you know, Sundance Film Festival, just, I was just sort of sitting there, but I was so relaxed and it was it was very strange because there was just, you know, I, I suppose you get to a certain place in your career and and there's no need for any sort of, ego or you yeah. know the, and then and you sort of get to that place where you want to share your stories and and I just I mean that was an epic moment um when you think about those like pinch me moments in a career um it was very cool but yes I there I oftentimes would find myself like shaking before a scene or just you know you just really don't want to um they're big personalities on these movies, right? You sort of have to be, and I'm more the introverted, shy type. So to find your place and to in, in, infiltrate into the, the the group as much as you need to, but to also sort of, I don't know, it was I always struggled with it, but everyone is so kind and so lovely in those films that you, you get over it. I you have to. Yeah, <laughs> sink or swim, right? Did, did, yeah. I mean, it is fascinating because I had the same, a similar kind of conversation. Like I talked to Lizzie Olsen for Wandavision recently, and the, I mean, nobody could have predicted like where all these Marvel properties would go and like just how expansive the universe would be. But like the fact that these Disney Disney Plus shows are so cool because you know, even Lizzie, who's like playing like you know a superhero, like one of like the Avengers, like had way more to chew on in WandaVision, frankly, yeah. than the collective seven eight years she was doing that character. I'm sure probably I mean I don't want to put words in your mouth, but the, arguably maybe the same for you. You probably get a little bit more to do thanks to the six hour um, length Absolutely. of material. Yeah, I mean, look, Sharon's always. 
um, you know, in, in many ways she's, she's there to serve as a story as well. And, and you always have to remember sort of what your place is within these big stories, you know? Um, but at the same time for me, it was very nice to, to get to explore also this new side of Sharon because she's been away. She's been on the run for so many years. And, um, and so we get to see a very different side to her. And, and that was really fun. The idea of that was fun to explore because I always did feel like she got shafted and <laughs> you know what I mean? Not in just because that was part of the story. Yes. And, um, <laughs> and that, you know, it, it's, it's what I love about Marvel is they always sort of circle back and you, get that opportunity to, to, you know, tell th that character side of the story and these shows allow for that, which I think is great, especially for, you know, um, Anthony and Sebastian, you know, those characters are so loved. I've always loved those characters within the films and you want to know more about them. And, and like you said before, the, there's just so many characters to service within yeah. these films and the universe that you never really get, quite as much time with them as you'd like. And, um, and you know, you just get it in, in Civil War, you get a glimpse of that dynamic between them, but you yeah. never, um, it never expands beyond that. And here you get six hours of it. And I think that's just amazing for people who love that particular relationship. And also, you know, the overall arc and theme of Falcon Winter Soldier is a beautiful one and it's time for it. And, um, and you would never get to do that in a two hour movie with, you know, 15 different characters that you're trying totally. to service. So I think this platform is ideal for, for Marvel. It's like the best next step. Totally. I, I got a chance to see the, the first episode. I'm not going to spoil anything here, but yes, even like got into kind of like the nitty gritty kind of day to day, like, what's it like to be a superhero? <laughs> like what's the real, the real troubles going right. on in these guys' yeah. lives. And I found that, that fascinating. Um, you must be looking forward to, I mean, you saw what happened with WandaVision. I mean, WandaVision every week to week, it was like old, it was like lost Game of Thrones, like one of these kind of like something that, that look, I love binging as much as the next guy, but mm -hmm. like, it, that it, appointment it, television. It reinforced television. that, didn't it? Like when you saw the, the conversation every week, you've experienced this probably mostly on, on revenge. Like there's nothing to really substitute for that kind of like communal, obsessive experience with the fans. And, I, and hopefully that'll happen again with this one. I think so. And I think it's just very clever to, you know, to drop them like, you know, you would an old school network television show every week. I, I mean, it's, it's really clever and, and um, smart on, on their part. And, you know, if people are invested enough, they will hit that appointment. There's no if, ends, or buts about it. Yeah. Um, and, and so, you know, it's sort of the best of both worlds. You have the opportunity to binge if you're super busy and you can't, you know, commit to things, but then you also can have that same kind of old school appointment television feeling. And I think that's great. Did, um, the secrecy on this one is it the, is it comparable to Civil War and Winter Soldier? I mean, did you get to read all six scripts before you shot anything, or what? Yeah, I mean, I would say they. I would say with this, they were a little bit more forthcoming with the scripts to us, you know, which I think was really helpful to get an idea of the bigger picture. And I think because it was new to everyone shooting this type of thing and on this sort of platform. Um, it, we were all sort of wondering what that would look like, I guess. Sure. Um, and so 
there was more information for us, but in terms of the secrecy on, on the broader scale, I mean, it's Marvel, so it is, it is yeah. what it is. <laughs> it's like, don't say anything ever. Um, and, you know, it's amazing how they do it. I, I, I have no idea how they keep this stuff under wraps, but um, I also think that everyone involved is very respectful of that because no one wants yeah. to spoil anything. And um, yeah, it was, it, you know, the experience was definitely different. I mean, they were, I, I think they were still trying to figure out how to do, how to create those six hours without compromising um, the aesthetic, the quality, um, but it was a tighter schedule. I mean, it was very fast paced. It was sort of trying to do these epic six hours on a TV schedule, but with that movie feel. Yep. So we moved very fast and furious. Um, and, you know, at time, I mean, it just presented its own challenges, I would say. We had a little more time in the movies, but I mean, when I saw the final result in all six episodes, it's, it, 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 it's beautifully done and it looks like a six hour movie. And it plays like a six hour movie, but you just get that much more time with these characters. And, yeah. um, and I think it's, it, it couldn't be more perfect timing for that. You know, when, uh, you know, you alluded to this a little bit, I mean, um, presumably we'll find out sort of what fill the gap of like what Sharon's been up to in the in intervening years. I mean, we haven't seen her in a bit. I mean, were you worried like, when Infinity War and Endgame came and the call didn't come, like, okay, well, this was fun, but it just they just never found the right extension of this character. Like, how surprised were you? And can you give me a sense of the circumstances of, like, when they came to you with this? Um, yeah, I think, I, I mean, I think you're always surprised when you get the call just because the expectation is, you know, you, you there's an understanding that this is such a big universe and there are yeah. so many characters. Um, so, you know, each experience that I've had, I just really enjoyed and, and, you know, you can't take it personal if they're not moving forward with a character here or there. So it was really fun when they said, now we want to see where she's been, what she's been up to. Because I always wondered that and sort of sure. thought, you know, um, there was a lot of pushback about the kiss, you know, and, you know, I, I, I don't look at a lot of this stuff, but you hear about it and, you know, the backlash about the kiss in Civil War and why it was there. And, you know, so many times I just wanted to say, I didn't write it. I mean, I, <laughs> I'm there to act and to, to, you know, you're not calling up the powers that be to say, I think people are going to be uncomfortable with this or they're not going to enjoy this or, um, you know, so many times I <laughs> felt bad for the character. Like, yeah. You know, um, well, so and now at least the burden is off. Like we, like you know, like there's no if ands or buts. Like right. he was meant to be with Peggy. Peggy yeah, we get it. Like it's good. It. And it's, it's all good. Great. Yes, <laughs> it's all good. Um, but then for me, it was like, oh, so now we can. Now we get to revisit a side of Sharon that isn't so tied to Cap and the yes. Shield, and or you know his version of the. You know what I mean? It was. It was just nice to sort of make that disconnect and to see, you know, how these other characters um, live and exist without that connection as well. You know, um, it's it's great fun to see in in these six episodes, and and you know, I was just it's always fun to revisit a character that you really love playing initially, and um, and that's the beautiful thing about Marvel is you know you never know and. Yeah. Um, and it's such a beautiful place to work. So yeah, we had a blast. It was great. So so going back a bit, I mean, uh, I, probably most 
folks first remember and saw you in Everwood. Um, do you, do you credit, like, do you, is Berlanti kind of like the, the person that kind of made the difference in your career? He obviously cast you a few different times and different sorts of things. Absolutely. Um, I, I have so much love for Greg Berlanti. I mean, he, um, he, you know, as a kid, I was so, I started so young. I was so fortunate to have really great people around me and Greg truly is one of the great ones, um, not just in his talent, but in who he is as a human. Um, and so to have that kind of person on my side so young was the most fortunate thing I could have asked for. And, and he sort of, um, I wouldn't say groomed me, but sort of allowed me to, you know, gave me the space to grow up within an industry that can be so hard and challenging, um, but gave me that safe space, if that makes sense. Um, and, you know, he was close with Kevin Williamson, who had cast me in my first thing. So, so Kevin was the sort of person who right. um, found me and I did this show for him, Glory Days. But he was the one who I think introduced me to Greg uh, Berlanti and Mickey Liddell foreverwood Again, still such a, I was so green to the business. No, I, I remember meeting with them, no idea what I was getting into. Um, and thank God they were such spectacular people. But yeah, Greg, I mean, I'm not surprised that he's gone on to become this mogul and, um, you know, this, this sort of force to be reckoned with in the industry because he is not only that amazing talent, but he is kind, truly. And that makes a massive difference, especially when you think back to how vulnerable you were. Like now I'm, you know, 34. I think about young me and I'm just so grateful for all of those specific people along the way who sort of cradled me and held me without me even knowing it. Yeah. Um, because, you know, you see those little forks in the road where you could have gone this way, you could have gone that way. And it's really scary, you know, now that I'm an adult, I think about, wow, I was so, <laughs> so well, lucky. It's, it's, I'm happy to hear that because, you know, as you all know, it's like, as the years go by, it's like, they get all these people that made great stuff for us over the years. It's like, they get knocked off one at a time. They're like, oh, that guy was an asshole too. That guy was an asshole too. It's like, how hard is it to be a good person, like a decent yeah. person and make art? There's enough talented people out there that we don't need to let the assholes make <laughs> it's so true. And, and I will say that, you know, I've, I've experienced those assholes so many times. Um, not just men, women too. Sure. Um, and, you know, uh, you do kind of, I think when I sort of started in the business, I learned really quickly that bad behavior was not only acceptable, but sometimes rewarded within mm -hmm. this industry. And it was really shocking to me because I did not grow up in that kind of environment. Um, very lucky for the way I was raised as well. So I was able to kind of see that and, and, and um, acknowledge that so young, but it was shocking to me and it, it, it always has been shocking to me. Um, and so in many ways, I think it's very fair that a lot of these people are <laughs> being exposed. Um, but I also think that, um, the the really special ones the 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 people who have truly made a difference in people's lives for the better yeah. should also be acknowledged and Greg really is one of those people there's definitely some irony also in looking back at Everwood as like the the um unlikely superhero incubator between Berlanti as like you know the creator of the whole Arrowverse etc yeah. the irony of him on the DC side you and Marvel of course Pratt ending up yeah. as like the king of 
<laughs> Marvel. <Yeah>. Um, <laughs> um, did you, I mean, you know, like I know you were Chris, obviously close with Chris. Everybody loves Chris. He's the sweetest, but like, did you, yeah. could you have imagined him ending up? He was a different guy. He was a different physical person. He was a different guy yeah. at that time. Yeah. How shocking is it to see sort of where he ended up for you? I mean, I, I'm not surprised. Yeah. Chris was always extremely motivated and, um, you know, from very early on, very career driven. And, um, you know, sometimes you would see that as, I suppose what I'm trying to say is he, he had that drive, but also the, the kindness, the, the hilarious, um, you know, he's just one of the funniest people I've met, I think. And so when you have all of that coupled with that drive, um, yeah, I'm not surprised. I saw him I don't know. I, I don't know when we did the the ten year Marvel. Oh, the group um, photo. Crazy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I just said, "What happened? <laughs> <laughs> what happened? Good for you." <laughs> you know, I just I know him as this goofy, funny dude, um, especially from back then, and um, couldn't be more proud of him. And and everybody from Everwood, to be honest, everyone's gone off to do great things, and. Um, and again, I was very lucky to be so young, surrounded by that group of people. So they hold yeah. this very dear place in my heart. Did you, you know, uh, did you grow up as, uh, as I take it, I take it you weren't, there wasn't acting in the industry in your family, right? That was kind of, you're the outlier there. Did you? Yeah, no, acting was not, acting wasn't even an option in my brain as a child, right. you know, very small town, Canada. Um, <clears throat> I was, I danced my whole life. So that was a big part of my life. I didn't, I don't think I ever thought I would do that as a career, but that was sort of my creative outlet. And I went away when I was young, I studied ballet in Montreal, I think when I was around 11 and um, lived with a family there and, and always sort of thought I would get out of, you know, my, my small town kind of environment, but um, also, really missed it when I was away. Like I have that even now where I, you know, I love what I do in my life, but I, I always miss home. Um, but yeah, I never, it was never on the table to be an actress. I just didn't think that those opportunities existed in my world. And um, as they sort of came, it was very organic, you know, like I started doing this acting class for fun. It was just an activity on a Saturday to do in Montreal. And then I, and then I met my manager and then I started to work and realized I could make money doing this thing that I was loving a lot more than I loved ballet. It's <laughs> like, wow, this is great. And then I just kind of fell in love. And that was, you know, I just kept working also, which was, you know, which I would never take for granted. I mean, I was very lucky for that too. Um, were you, but, were you especially into, I mean, every kid's into pop culture, but were you especially into TV and film? Did you like, have no, 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 I was very, I mean, no, that's not true. I, I, as a young teen, there were, I loved Buffy the Vampire Slayer and, you know, like I would watch, I would have my own sure. kind of version of appointment television. Um, but in terms of pop culture, I mean, my, my first crush was Eminem. Like the first album I bought was Alanis Morissette, you know, first concert was Eminem, you know, like I just, I was never into like, like, like pop culture per se. Um, and never super into like, like I have a weird love for nineties action movies, like late nineties action movies, because like, that's the kind of stuff that I would watch with my friend. You know what I mean? Right. <laughs> like, What's, so you, that's not the comfort movie you chose today, but before no, we get to that, I, you know, what, oddly, what were some of those? Yeah. Huh? 
What were some of those? What were some of the late nineties action? Oh gosh. Like I would love like Armageddon and GI Jane was one of my favorites growing up because I was just, I had never seen a woman in a role like that. And I was just, I thought she was such a badass. And even now to this day, it holds up. She is so amazing in that movie. Yeah. And I don't know why it never got the credit it deserved. And I'm sure so many people give me so much crap for saying this, but it is a great film. I need to go back. That's Ridley Scott. That's a forgotten Ridley Ridley Scott. I don't know if it was because it was called G.I. Jane. Like maybe it was the title. I don't know. It's a great movie. And it was an awesome movie to see as a young teen. Like I was obsessed with it. I've seen it a million times and it is a comfort movie. If I see it on TV, I will always put it on in the background. And like there are specific scenes that I will always sit down and watch, you know, when she's like suck my dick and that big <laughs> battle, like so good. Um, but well, like The Rock, that, you know, yes, yes. like all those, like I love those face off. <laughs> They're doing the sequel. Have you heard they're doing the sequel to Face Off? No, but I'm not surprised. <laughs> of course. I'm gonna, well, yeah, yeah, obviously. That's so you went, I got to look that up now. <laughs> I was obsessed with Face Off. I love that you're a secret like Michael Bay Bruckheimer fan. Uh, I mean, it's which is so weird, but those are the movies that I watched in that time period. And I mean, the, look, that's I have other like weird loves. Like I love zombies as well. And I have, you know, but I did pick... Yes, go for it. Let's specific hear it. movie that I picked. It's complicated because I've probably seen that one the most. I, I, I take these questions very seriously because <laughs> like that's how my brain works. I like to answer this question is very loaded. <laughs> but I think that's the one I've watched the most in moments where I really needed comfort. So. so for context for people, uh, if people listen to this podcast, they're, they're film buffs, so they know. But it's, it's written and directed by the great Nancy Myers, of course. Came out Christmas Day 2009. Yep. Uh, Meryl Streep, Alec Baldwin, Steve Martin, great trio. I remember I did the junket for this, and I, I do not get intimidated, Emily. I walked into a room with Meryl Streep, Alec Baldwin, and Steve Martin, and I could barely get a word out. It was, that was a lot. I, I would have, I've had my own, my, my, my one and only Meryl Streep experience at this party once. And I was to the point where I was shaking and she was right there. And it was the perfect opportunity to say something. And my husband had to, because I just, I couldn't, it just, it couldn't, I, I couldn't. That's like uh, introducing my out. wife to Joshua Jackson. It's a very similar kind of experience. <laughs> Um, which has happened. Um, so why it's complicated though. I mean, I like it's complicated, but he, I, I would argue, I mean, something's got to give for me is the Nancy Myers. Like, yeah. I love something's got to give too. It was up there. Um, well, I, I'm a, I love Meryl Streep. Um, I think in the same vein that, uh, that like GI Jane was like really eye-opening to me as, as a kid, like, wow, this is amazing watching this woman do that. I also, it's complicated. It gives you that same perspective of, you know, of like this different age group that you don't normally see in rom-coms. It's yeah. not a, a typical thing. And something's got to give us that too. But um, I don't know. There's just something so comforting about, about the actors. I mean, Steve Martin, you don't, he just like feels like a warm hug just looking at him, you know? Yes. Um, and uh, and the the setting, I mean, Nancy Myers, her aesthetic is perfect and you want to live in all of her sets. Like yep. that's just a given. Um, <laughs> but I don't know, something about the cooking aspect and the, you know, which is something that I love too. And I don't know, just the, it's just, a, it's like the, the, it's the movie that I tell any of my friends who are going through any kind of like sadness or breakup or anything, like just go watch It's Complicated. Yeah. It'll take you out of your zone for, you know, a couple hours. And 
I don't know. It's like, cause I also have the kid ones, but it's complicated is the more recent. Favorite. Well, I get it. I mean, it's, it's weird to like, to, to put it next to Marvel movies, but in the same way that like, you know, those, you want to kind of just like live in a world. You want to live in a world that's comforting to you. That feels like, you yeah. know, every nook and cranny of it and you know the dynamics and it's just like pleasing to you. And the soft focus, the beautiful meticulous production design, the actors you've grown up with, it's all going to work out in the end. It's a fairy tale. Yeah, and this mom figure tale. who's also going through, you know, you know, this idea that y you get older and things are less complicated and nothing changes and everything's this, you know, it just kind of like, yeah, you know, debunks all of those bizarre myths. And it just, I don't know, it just makes it's just it's a feel-good movie but it's you know with i think Nan nancy myers does depth really well in the midst of this you know really comforting beautiful world and um yeah ever, audi ever auditioned for nancy that. ever auditioned for nancy myers ever had the chance i think i auditioned for it's complicated <laughs> <laughs> one of the kids obviously i yeah, think sure. i auditioned for one of the kids yeah um but clearly <laughs> I let that go a long time ago. Hey, that's big of you. You put it aside and it's, it earned the, yeah, its place as a comfort movie. Well, it's, it's, I also yeah. miss like, this was like an $85 million budgeted movie. This is like a big budgeted, glossy. I saw that and I was shocked by that. I don't know why I was shocked by that, but I was. Well, I mean, obviously some of it's above the line. Probably those three actors yeah, are taking course, something. Yeah, but yeah, like, yeah. it's meticulous. It's a beautifully like made movie. It, yeah, it, yeah. It, you just don't think about it that way, but yeah, it's huge budget and, you know. Her movies made a ton of money. Like that's the crazy thing. I'm not, it's not crazy to think about, but like her movies were blockbusters. Like this movie made $225 million. Like something's got to give, probably did the same. Um, they all did, the intern, even her most recent film. They, like she is, is her own holiday. kind of, The Holiday. That's I a mean, comedy. that's a that's a Christmas comfort movie, you know. Yes. yes. <laughs> so like it still holds up massively. I'm saddened that Nancy has said she might not direct again. I don't know what's up with that. I think that. that's crazy. I don't know why. I don't know why, because it's like even if she writes something, you wanna you wanna just you want her to add her world to it. You yes. know? It's it wouldn't be the same without it at this point. So um Let's wrap up by talking about what you're knee deep in right now. Talk to me about what has made this latest foray into network television exciting. You're in season what, season four already of The Resident? Yeah. Time flies when you're, when you're making network dramas. And every, <laughs> and every time I say, you know what, I'm just going to take a break from it. And, yeah. you know, I don't know why I keep being drawn to it. Again, it's that, that idea of playing these characters over long periods of time that I really like. Um, and I don't know, it's, it's I, maybe it is time to step out of that because it's been, it's become sort of comfortable for me in a weird way. Um, but, but I still enjoy it. So I'm a workhorse at heart. That's yeah. the sort of background that I come from. And, and you kind of have to be to do network television because it's not easy. It's a, it's a tough medium. And it's, it's like I said, we were saying before, it's a marathon, you know, you have to be, um, equipped for that in a weird way. And, and it taught me everything I know because now you can be thrown into these big environments or these other, you know, you, you can basically, if you do network, you'd be thrown into any acting environment and, yeah. and thrive in some way because you have that work ethic and that, you know, that, um, that those tools, I guess. Um, but yeah, here we are fourth season. Um, you know, it's, it, I never thought in a million years I'd do anything medical related. 
Um, but more than ever, it feels relevant, um, especially having gone through this past year. It's been really nice to be able to honor all the medical professionals. I mean, like they're the real life heroes that yeah. oftentimes are overlooked. And if ever there was a time to be so grateful for everyone in that field, it's, I mean, it's, this past year has really highlighted everything that they do. Um, and, you know, we work with medical professionals every day, you know, um, advisors on the set and people who actually went and worked on the front lines during this pandemic, left their homes to go to New York when there was a massive crisis there to go to, you know, where they were needed. And you really just see how, um, how significant and huge what they do is. And, and so to, to be able to play that every week has been um nicer than ever really it's it's in this small minute way that we can honor everything that they've done especially yeah no i i i, I get it i mean yeah living in new york this past year you know the the the, the daily kind of like you know shouting you out there the during that i'm i'm assuming what's that you were there during the yeah yeah, the whole know, time. yeah, really yeah. craziness and you've been able i mean it's a it's kind of a miracle that like hollywood has been able to make you know adapt you guys finished falcon and winter soldier yeah, okay, that was the first thing I came back to Atlanta to do. Um, yeah. And that was, that was, yeah, that, I think that was a little scary for everybody. Because um, yeah. we were just implementing those protocols. And, um, and then the residents started up right after that. And, um, you know, it's been a learning curve for everybody. I'm sure everyone that you've spoken to is working at the moment has said yeah. it's strange, but um, we're making it work. And it's a miracle that we are, really. Well, there's there's hope in sight. I got my first uh, dose the other day. We're all getting healthier. Yes, I'm yeah, very lucky. Very, we're all you know, we're all lucky to still be here, still working. Um, yes. Knock on wood, things get better. I think they will. I'm, I'm just trying to they stay. They will. They have to. I mean, yeah. things will turn around, and 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 you know, I mean, I'm sure this past year has taught us all a ton in so many different ways. So. Yes. Um, I'm very happy for you though. That's great. And uh, yeah, please continue to stay safe. You too, Emily. Thank you for, for the time today. Um, I really you. appreciate it. Congratulations on the new show. Not that you need my voice to add to the uh, billions waiting for Falcon and Winter Soldier, but the first episode's awesome and I can't wait to see uh, um, what Marvel has in store. Um, stay safe out in Atlanta and hopefully we'll, we'll see each other out of our cocoon soon enough. That sounds great. Thank you so much. And so ends another edition of Happy, Sad, Confused. Remember to review, rate, and subscribe to this show on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm a big podcast person. I'm Daisy Ridley, and I definitely wasn't pressured to do this by Josh. (laughs) 